challenge that your daughters face? And they said, it's self-esteem. And so help me help my daughter with her self-esteem. And this one woman was on there and she says, we are not about helping people with their self-esteem. What we're here to do is to teach them what 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20 says. You were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. It's not about you and I feeling better about ourselves. It's feeling better about what God did for us. Can I get a better amen? See, you'll, let me just tell you, if you're trying to work your self-esteem up, you'll spend the rest of your life doing that and never get there. You'll just need something else. But when we determine in our lives that we're going to glorify God in our lives, and that's what we're talking about here this morning, when we glorify God in our lives, and when we teach our children to glorify, to, be, to live the way, to, to be a bearer of the truth, to be someone that the gospel is working in your life and that you're showing it forth in the way that you li live, in the, in, and not just by telling everybody how holy you are, but by how loving you are and how you connect and help people, that that's how you'll find your real place. You're bought with a price. The blood of Jesus paid the price. You're bought with a price, so therefore glorify God in your life. That's where your real esteem, that's your identification. There's a principle, and I don't have time to get into it today, but it's called substitution and identification. What we have to recognize as God's people is, is that it will never really be about us. It will be about his, what he did for us. And when we begin to focus on what he did for us, self-esteem will come. Esteem will come because it'll be Christ's esteem, not self-esteem. Self-esteem is individualism. It's man, humanity trying to reach his own place in life. Christ's esteem is you and I recognizing we've been bought with a price. Hallelujah. Can I get a good Amen. So the church is to reveal God's truth and proclaim his gospel to the world. Number three, the church is here. The church Jesus would attend, I believe, is one that rescues those who are far from God. And when I say rescues those far from God, actually those who are God's enemies. You know, God has enemies, people that don't like what he has to say. Jesus, in fact, said this in John 17, 14. I wanted you to see this. Lord, I gave them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. I think it's wrong if the church tries to be like the world. Because no matter what, all that does is the world is not going to like you just because you're trying to be like them. What has to happen in the world is, is that you and I, we have to realize that we are here to rescue the world, not to allow the world to rescue us. To rescue those who are far from God. John 17, verse 20, Jesus said, I don't pray for these alone, but I'm also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who are those who are going to believe? Well, there will be some that they hate God. They are against God. They don't want anything to do with God. And the only way, see, he said, they will believe on them through the word that these people, these, my disciples are living in their life, rescuing people out of the darkness. He says, I'm not praying for those, these alone, these guys. I'm praying for those who are going to believe what they're saying. Those who hate me, who hate what I do, who hate what I stand for. God never intended that the church would become a bless me club. 
Let's just put come together and lay hands on each other and pray for each other and bless each other and have a holy huddle, they call it. Sing Kumbaya and we're all together and we're all encouraging each other and that's what it's really all about. That is not, it is not a bless me. The church is not a come together and just get, though you will get blessed, that isn't the emphasis of why we're here. That's not what we're here to do is just to be a blessing or to be blessed in our, in our lives. As Kenneth Hagin used to say, sometimes the church just looks like people with empty hands laying, hand, empty hands, laying empty hands on empty heads. There we go. We are also not a place to be spiritually entertained. Spiritually entertained. It's not about us doing things so that people enjoy or are entertained like we would go to the TV and, you know, and watch different things so that we could be entertained. The church is about reaching those who are far from God, reaching those who are far from God. And of course, as I said, we're not a self-improvement conference where we come together just to help each other, you know, just to get better self-esteem. John Stott, who was a great preacher and a great writer, he died in 2011, but he stated this, Two downfalls of the church. One, it became a religious club where members only benefit. So it became introverted Christianity. Number two, it became a secular club, social service for the community. Stott says the church has lost its identity. If it had kept it, it would have evangelized the world by now. I believe that's true. So how do we, how do we evangelize the world? How do we reach people in the world? Well, number one, the way that we do it is we have to know who we are. We have to know who we are. We are God. We are. Look, I've shared this story with you before, but I'm going to tell it again. I go to the prison. I'm preaching to the inmates. I'm thinking I've got the message to save these guys, to deliver these guys, to help these guys. And I'm thinking I'm going to go up there and tell them like it is. And the Holy Spirit said, just remember while you're talking to them, you could be one of them because of the things that you've done in your life. And buddy, doesn't that change your perspective, remembering I'm just as blood-bought as everyone. I, look, what, what I'm here to do today is to help people that need help just like I need help in my life. I'm not better than anyone. God is better than everyone. I'm not, I don't, look, I have, the, I have an answer because of God's great grace in my life. Not because I'm perfect, not because I'm somehow holier than everybody that's out there. Look, I know you gotta, for us to reach people, we have to know who we are. We have to know who we are. And we have to grow in that way, knowing, of who we, knowing who we are. We have to continue to grow in that so that we're living that out, which we talked about last week, living in that way. And then we have to go. We have to go into the world and preach to people the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is birthed out of us knowing who we are. You know, I grew up in church. I heard a lot. When I grew up in church, I heard a lot of clothesline preaching. Do you all ever heard of that before? Clothesline preaching is that kind of, you know, have you ever watched a football game and the guy's running, they stick his arm out and hits the guy in the neck and just knocks him on his backside? Okay, well, some preaching is like that, that it's not really helping you, it's just knocking you flat to the ground. 
because it becomes all about all the things you're not doing, everything you're not doing. You're, you're horrible, you're, you're, up, you're nasty, you're a drunk, you're a drug addict, you're a pervert, you're all these things, and, and just constantly harping and, and dealing with that and just attacking people that you're going to hell and you're going to burn in the fires forever. And, and look, all of that is true. All of that is true. Jesus is the way out of all of that. But that is not the gospel. The good news isn't that you are a sinner. The good news is that you can be saved. Let me say it again. The good news isn't that you're a sinner. You already know that. The good news is is that you can be saved through the blood of Jesus Christ and your life completely and absolutely transformed. So when we spend all our time nitpicking at all the little things, we're kind of like the, the story of the firefighter. You know, there was a house that was on fire. And he runs into the house and he knows there's people on the second floor that are going to perish in this fire. But while he runs into the house, he spends more time trying to straighten the pictures up on the wall than rescuing the people that are about to die. God called us to rescue people, not fix their pictures. Let him do his job. You do your job. Our job is to get the message out, to present a true and accurate picture of who God is and his love for us and his kindness for us. Well, God, Pastor, haven't you ever read those passages? God hates, the, he hates sin. And, and Yeah, man, God does hate sin, but he always loves people. He cares about everybody. He cares about, look, he cares about gay people. He cares about transsexual people. He cares about all of them. Be careful. I, look, you don't have to agree with what people choose. He cares about people that get abortions. Jesus died. Look, remember this. Jesus died for them. Just like he died for you. And all they've got to do is call on the name of the Lord. They have no, look, the, the, sometimes I know in the church we're like, well, they, you know, they did bad. They, they should be punished for it. No, they should not be punished for it. They should receive the redemptive grace of God. We as a church should present that. That's the kind of church I believe that Jesus would go to. That Jesus would go, you, you know, I mean, what are we going to do in the church when we have 30 homosexuals come to the service? Well, I'm not going to church like that. Those kinds of people don't belong in church. Look, if anybody belongs in church, it's people that don't know who they are and what God has done for them. You can't, we can't become those kinds of people that we just want to only be with people that are like us, that fit a mold that works in our, our diagram. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> wow, this is really good preaching. Amen. I had a church in my church in Marietta, and uh, we had an a individual that came there that actually had had the sex change operation, had actually gone through the whole process. I had talked with them when they were still, uh, when they had not gone through the operation and they were coming to church and they were dressed like a woman and, you know, and had fingernail polish on and, and uh, you know, the whole deal. And somebody said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to tell them about the gospel. Yeah, but I'm going to bring my family to this church. I don't want them here. What, what is that in our lives that we're ashamed, 
of what sinners do? Do you want us to pull all your sins out from the past and bring that out in the open for everybody to see? Huh? Your fallen down drunkenness, perversion. Well, I'm not that bad of a person, Pastor. Well, I'm sure we could find something if we dug hard enough, okay? The lie, the cheat, the steal, whatever. And we're going to bring all that out in the... Look, what we have to... There are things in our society, obviously, we make a much bigger deal about today than... And, but, but God does not make a bigger deal about them. God brings his message to all men that all might be saved. Well, pastor, they need to change before they can get saved. Okay, is that what you did? Did you change and then got saved? Or did you get saved and then changed? And are you still... Yes, thank you, ma'am. Are you still changing? You better believe it. I love this passage, passage in John 33, 21, excuse me, in the Amplified Version. It says, he who practices truth, who does what is right, comes out into the light so that his works may be plainly shown to be what they are, wrought with God, divinely prompted, done with God's help in, in, in dependence upon him. See, when we start in that process of the truth coming to our lives, and that first truth has to be that Christ loves me and gave himself for me so that I could be in his family, so I could spend eternity with him. That first truth, that when we live that truth in our lives, what does it do? That truth transforms us. It begins to lead us into the light. The Holy Spirit comes to indwell us. The Holy Spirit comes to indwell us and he will lead us and plainly show us that the works that are happening in our life are rightly divine by God, done by God. So, well, Pastor, if you keep preaching like this, you're going to attract people to the church that aren't like us. Well, good. We want them to come. We want them to come and hear the God. We want them to experience the same transformative power that you're experiencing in your life. Well, it's an abomination if they're here. I had somebody tell me that one time. Well, it's not an abomination to God. It might be an abomination to you. But to God, how does God view mankind? Sinners. And what we do in our world, in our Christian world, is we make one sin bigger than another sin. But look, sin is sin, right? And I would dare say that the pastor that preaches about homosexuality in the pulpit and, and being anti-homosexual, he needs to make sure that he's also preaching the same strength about people that are not married that are coming to his church and living together. Moving right along. No, and look, do we throw people out for that? No, we love people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We believe that God is at work in their lives. He's doing a work in their heart and in their lives, and he's transformative. It doesn't, he didn't leave us the way we, you know, that's our principle of transformation. God loves us just like we are, but he loves us so much, he won't leave us that way. Hallelujah, aren't you glad for it? Amen. I am so glad God did not leave me the way I was. He said, I don't pray for them alone. I pray for those who are coming out of the world, Lord, that you should keep them from the evil one. John, if you move down, John 17, 18, Greg. And as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. God did not cause, call us as a church to, ins, to isolate, to insulate, to vegetate, but he called us to imitate. He didn't call us to be stuck alone, hiding away, in a holy huddle, isolating. He didn't call us to insulate, keep people out of the club who are not like us. He didn't call us to vegetate, just peace out until he returns. 
He, hey, amen. <laughs> well, Pastor, you sound like you have an axe to grind. You better believe it. Because there's a world that's going to hell right now. And we're still fiddling around with pictures in the living room while those people upstairs are about to die. One of, the, one of the hardest passages for me to look at is in the Old Testament. And it's the story about the plague that broke out among the Israelites. And look, they were rebellious against God. They rebelled against God. They, did, they went against Moses. They went against Aaron. They went against everything that God was telling them. And this plague broke out and people were dying. I mean, they were just falling over dead. The devil was having a heyday. And Moses looked at Aaron and he said, run quickly to the altar and get the incense and bring it out, you and the priests, and run among the people. And wherever the incense went, people lived. And it says in that passage, and this is what haunts me about it, they were as those who stood between the living and the dead. Think about it, friend. That's you and I. It's a sobering thought that I live between the living and the dead. We're going to offend people. Jesus said we'll have enemies, but let's make sure that we're not offending them by, what, by all this other nonsense. Let's make sure that if we're going to offend people, it's with the real truth, the gospel, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. Thank you, Pastor. That was excellent. Number four, last one, and we'll be done. Jesus would attend a church that rallies under the love of God, that rallies under the love of God. John 17, 20 through 23, he said, look, I'm not praying for these alone, also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them, these people, just as much as you have loved me. Augustine made this statement, in the church, the essentials should be unity. In non-essentials, we should have liberty, and in all things, we should have charity. We should have love for one another. Colossians 3.13 in the Passion Translation says this, Tolerate the weakness of those in the family of faith. Did you know somebody's tolerating your weaknesses? Every day, yes, absolutely. Tolerate the weakness of those in the family of faith. <laughs> Forgive one another in the same way you've been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release this same gift of forgiveness to them. For love is supreme and must flow through each of, each of these virtues. Love becomes the true, the mark of true maturity. 1 John 4, 12 says, No one has seen God at any time, but if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. His love has been perfected in us. Let's be renewed in the love and express that love that God has given to us. I know, look, I hear it. It's just so much easier to try to paint things as this is white, this is black, this one shouldn't be here, this one should be here. But where do you, 
You only draw the lines where you feel comfortable for yourself. You only draw the lines where you feel comfortable for yourself. And what God has called us to do is to move the line. That's what Jesus did. I mean, what do you do with a Jesus that shows up at a sinner's party? Well, I could never do that. I could never go. It didn't say he went there and got drunk. It said he went there and he reached out to people. In fact, people said, why are you here? And what did he tell them? He says, because I've come to seek and save what is lost. I've come to help people find their way. What kind of church would Jesus go to? He'd go to a church that, that's glorifying him, that's expressing and demonstrating and worshiping who he is and what he has and what he's done. What kind of church would Jesus go? One that stands upon the truth. But we're not so, we're not so fearful of our truth being altered that, that we can't stand on it in disagreement with those who don't agree with it. I disagree with a lot of people. I just don't live a disagreeable life. Amen. Amen. Somebody told me the other day, I was, you know, you always talk with someone, I'm way out of time, but you always talking with somebody, you know, get a haircut or whatever, and they're telling you about, well, I believe all religions lead to God, right? Have you ever heard that one? I've heard it a gazillion times. And I don't go, well, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. I say, well, that's an interesting perspective. That is a real interesting perspective. And, and then, now watch, now listen to me, and you'll really learn something here. I asked him, how did you come to that conclusion? Now you got them. Because you know what? Most of the people that say that, they're not basing it off of anything. I said, well, what, did you, what are you using as your evidence for that? I'd like to know. I'd, I mean, if that's true, I would like to hear. And then when they're totally befuddled and they don't know what to say next, then you say, well, let me tell you what I believe and it's based off of this wow I just helped you that was really that that's that's all extra that could really help you in some conversations right yeah. see because we're called to love people not push people away you're a life changer look at your neighbor and say you're a life changer stand up with me if you would please Yesterday, we gathered together as a small group to pray, and I want you to know that during this Thanksgiving holiday, especially, that we're focusing on praying for families, because we know that there's a lot of interaction that's going on in families, and of course, you know, family time can be really awesome, or it can be really destructive and difficult, and lots of arguing and bad feelings. But here's what I, we're, here's how we're praying that you will glorify God in your family by just being who Christ called you to be, by being loving and understanding and helpful and generous, to be able to help people that are struggling, that are going through. Because, look, the anger we feel in the world comes out of frustrations that is built all in fear. You and I, we don't live our lives afraid. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? The fear of death ruled over mankind. We're not afraid anymore. We're not afraid of anything in, that this world has because we put our trust in God and his word and his truth in our lives. I'll tell you, that says something in life today to people, that you believe that and you live that in your life. 
I want to ask our prayer partners to come, our prayer network, if they would, and go ahead and grab the mic, Chuck. Typically, we'll pray for healing for different things, but I really felt like that there are some here today that you're, you're standing in faith for someone to receive Christ. Or maybe you're here today and you've never received Christ. This is a great opportunity that you can do that. You just come up and one of these great young people, amen, will be happy to pray with you and, to, and lead you in the prayer of salvation. But especially if you're during this holiday, there's a little bit of, during Thanksgiving time, there's a little bit of concern, you know, about some different family members you're dealing with. And um, you just like prayer for God to move in that and uh, to help you out, give you the right words to say and the right attitude to present. I want to make sure that you come up for prayer here today before you leave. And Chuck will tell you what he specifically got. Go ahead. <laughs> 